Aiko, my name is Rania Odenmat, and I'm a creative in Accra. With me today is Carla Magdalene, also known as that wonder and well-being woman after the name of her podcast. Carla was a young teenage mom turned educator with a focus on special needs before becoming a podcaster whose mission is to support and find solutions for fellow parents and teachers, or in her own words, to help them stay well, stay learning, and stay wonderful. I just love that mission. <laughs> Recently, Carla has decided to interrupt her journey in education in order to focus on her podcast. I had the pleasure of meeting her during my Broadcast Yourself course with the London Real Academy, where she's one of my coaches and our team leader. She's someone I've grown to love, respect, and appreciate. Carla, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Rania. Thank you for such a lovely introduction. That's awesome. Carla, when is the last time you danced alone in your room? Oh, it's not been for a number of weeks now. It would have been in my old apartment. So um, in, during the quarantine, I, I started in, in the very beginning. I was dancing a lot because it was really stressful. Um, so I would say it was around six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I think I've not needed to dance. It's a, it's a well-being thing. I haven't needed to dance in my room for about six weeks. <laughs> and and why, why in your room? Like, what is the difference between dancing with others and, you know, or in, alone in your room? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's it's kind of meditative, but probably quite a spiritual experience for me. Um, and I think it's when I, I do it as a form of exercise, but it's more of a an emotional. I think I store a lot in my body um, of emotions. I hold a lot of things in and I've got better over the years at not doing that. But I think it's just also just part of my personality. So I feel like when I get into a very creative mode, um, or when I'm really like trying to get rid of tension and things like that, I just feel better doing it by myself. I feel like I can really let go because I'm also a kind of pleaser of others. So when I'm in company with others, I always put them first um, and I can't help that. So when I really need to take care of me, I have to do it when I'm alone. And so being uninhibited, just letting everything go does that for you. Is there any particular kind of music that you know puts you in that mood or helps um there's a lot of music but it's got to be reggae music I'm, I'm part <laughs> Jamaican so reggae music is just like very healing for me mm -hmm. I love reggae music and anything that has a similar beat um and has evolved from reggae um but yeah that's my favorite it does have that sort of the reggae tune you know that sort of like rocking uh, a baby or or that rock that for some reason, is very comforting. Um, so I was going through your podcast, listening to many episodes, and I came across one of them, the solo one. And I, I was so impressed. I loved the content. I think your solo was my favorite. I love the content, and I loved your storytelling skills. And so it made me curious about you, about where you get your inspiration from and uh, how would you describe your process, your create, creative process? 
Yeah, actually, my solos are always the favourite. They they more than double, if not treble, um, the audience of my guest podcasting. Um, and I think that they just show who I really am. Um, I'm a very creative person. Everything is creative for me. Life is creative. Um, and I think my process is just, I would say, it's very closely tied to my authenticity. The more I'm being me, the more creative I am. Um, and it was fu it's funny because even when someone asked me about process, I'm like, mm, I don't know if there is a process, but I think I just really let go when I'm being creative um, and I'm totally myself and anything goes, whatever the inspiration is, whatever I need in that moment to be inspired. So if I spread paper. Carla? Yeah, so I was talking about creative process. Um, yeah, anything goes for me when I'm in a creative mode. I'm very well aware when one of those is with me. Um, and I, I become really unstructured, very free, without a schedule. And I just want to paint. I want to be barefoot. I want to be in nature. I want to just explore whatever it is that's coming. Because, um, And I really believe in creative inspiration. And I believe in being guided by the forces of creativity. And so I submit to that. And, and everything that I've ever done in my life, even the business that I'm building at the moment, is very structured and organized and I have to have systems, but it was all the product, product of a creative phase. Um, and I remember that it came out of me painting a lot, actually. The idea for my business emerged when I was painting. Um, and I had, and it's, it, the paintings have nothing to do with the business, um, but I was able to get that idea come to me through that process. So. Um, I go through phases of deep creativity um, and I just, I just go with it. It's like being carried with the wind. Wow. And so you, you're talking about a business. Uh, is it a business connected to your podcast or uh, another business? It is, yeah. Um, Wonder and Wellbeing is, is a business. The podcast is just part of it. So I do coaching and consulting and content creation for parents and teachers. Um, and I just, I just started it actually, I finished my job in June um, and I'd been building things while I had the job, but I wasn't really able to give it as much time as I wanted to. So I just did the podcast to begin with so that I could network and kind of connect and find out what parents and teachers wanted. Um, but since I resigned from my job, I've also been doing more in building the business aspect of things like the website and the different links and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's part of a bigger mission that I have. The podcast was just the beginning of it. So the podcast and the creativity were the drivers of, of this. Yeah, that's an, definitely. That's an amazing way to look at it. And so why the change? Why did you feel the need to change? Were there any transformative moments uh, in your life that pushed you towards making that change? Yeah, I think I'd been building up to it for a number of years. I wanted to work independently um, for as far back as I could remember. But I had different experiences in life that made me, I think, a bit feel a bit insecure financially. And I felt like I really couldn't do it. Um, and I didn't have the resources, whether that be money or support or even the knowledge and skills and experience. I think I needed to build that up over time. And so I've always had in the back of my mind that whenever I get a chance, I'd like to start my own company or at least be freelance. Um, and so I've been kind of playing around with different things. I started learning how to blog. 
um, and do online content creation at least 10 years ago. Um, wow. But it, it never really developed into anything. It was just a hobby and I, and I had a number of blogs and I would start them and keep them up for about three months and then I'd get rid of them because I wasn't doing it anymore or I'd forget my password or something like that. Um, but I think this really started around two years ago when I started to feel like teaching was just too much for me to manage, um, especially with homeschooling my own son. Um, it was just too much. And I was like, how, how can I get myself out of this? And actually, I got I became quite ill a couple of years ago and I had to take time off work and have surgery. And that really gave me a chance to reconnect with my creative side because I'd stopped painting and things like that for many years. Um, and I would do it when I had a vacation. But then when I went back to work, it was like all serious and not as creative. Um, but when I was sick and I was healing myself, I was very in tune with my creative side. Um, and I was healing my body and my mind and my soul and just kind of spending a lot of time exploring things to do with the creativity. Um, and it was then that I started, as I told you, to come up with ideas for businesses. Um, so, yeah, the transformation, I guess, was when I was sick and I was off work for six weeks. Um, and I spent four of those bed bound. I was so sick that I had to be taken care of by someone else. Um, and I guess that gave me a lot of time to think about who I truly am and what and, you know, when you're sick, you and you get in tune with the side of you that's going to heal yourself. And for me, that's your authentic self. And that it was my creative self. Um, all I could do was create and visualize. You know, you even visualize yourself getting better. Um, and that's part of the creativity that we have. So when I was laying in the bed and I could sit up, but I couldn't go anywhere, I would just draw um, and come up with ideas for paintings. And when I could finally get out of bed and I needed to get to that next stage of my healing, as in moving in order to help my body to heal. I went on a tour of all the art galleries and museums in Doha. And that <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was wow. what I said, I'm gonna do that. And I did that and it was, it was just an incredible um, few months of just healing and exploring and painting and you know, just observing the world from a creative perspective. And that's where um, the business grew from. You know, and then I, I saw the podcasting course and I decided to do that and then just going with it, you know. That's brilliant that sometimes it takes illness or it takes a crisis. Like, you know, listening to you talk right now reminds me of the story of Frida Kahlo, who was bedbound and who started painting, you know, while sick in bed. I've also met several people who, who only decided to totally embrace their creativity and the creative side after cancer or an illness. And then they were so good at it and it completely changed the course of their lives. But then you wonder why, if it's that powerful and if it can catalyze so much for us, why can we sometimes spend so much of our time repressing that side or saying, as you did that, you know, I'm going to work and this is for the holidays. I think it's just the way that society has conditioned people for a long time. I remember as a child being very into art and I remember actually when I wanted to study when I was a teenager and I told my dad that I wanted to be an artist, he told me that there's no such job as an artist, you know, um, and he was really serious about that. And actually my dad wanted me to be a lawyer um, and I can't think of anything further away 
um, from an artist as a lawyer, unless unless you're very creative. They are creative, but they're creative with language, aren't they? Creative with the truth. <laughs> um, but my dad was adamant that there was no way his daughter was going to be an artist. And actually, I remember the compromise that I did was I chose my A-levels as English, sociology and art. And he wasn't, he wasn't happy, but... Um, in the end, I ended up coming out of A-levels, but when I looked at it many years later, I realised that I'm still doing English sociology and art mm-hmm. in, in how I live my life. Um, and so I think that it's just, it's to do with conditioning and it's to do with this idea that art doesn't make money, which we know is totally nonsense. Um, but also the idea of structure and order in society and the whole, uh, the veneration, I would say, of the left brain. You know, that we've come, and I think we're coming out of that now, but I think that's where it comes from. It's that whole left brain society, which I think was necessary in a certain era, maybe to build the structures of civilizations. You need that. Um, but I think we also see the downside of that in society now, where there's been too much of an emphasis on that. Um, so it's, it's quite complex. Where it comes from is very complex, but I think that has something to do with it. And I think also part of it, I I went through the same experience with my parents, you know, when I was going to university and my mom would, ah, she, 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 artist, like, what, artist, like, this is terrible, like, you know, what are you going to do? But it makes you realize that uh, there are so many stereotypes and connotations that people sometimes make when it comes to art and artists also which is a little bit of social brainwashing or you know putting people in a box and obviously it comes from all of that educational system uh, left brain you know and but um and so yeah to to and when you're young it's difficult to stand up to that you're not strong enough or confident enough you don't believe it enough to to make the sacrifices that are needed, I guess, or to say, you know what, even if uh, nobody agrees and they all think I'm ruining my life, I'm still going to do it. It took me a, a long time to, to, to get to, to that point. Um, Carla, what if for a young person who's creative and who might think, ooh, it's interesting to, um, to start a podcast as a platform for expression. What advice would you give that person? I would say they need to know who they are. It doesn't matter what you're doing in life, whether you're starting a podcast or, you know, going to the moon, whatever it is, you need to know who you are. Um, and I think the sooner in life you know that and accept that and embrace that, you can do anything. Everything else is irrelevant after that. Once you know who you are, you can, and especially when you're a podcaster, I think podcasting is really growing. Um, it's taken off definitely in this last year, it's, it's become huge. Um, and there is like anything, there is competition out there. Um, but when you know who you are and why you're doing what you're doing, um, it doesn't matter who's out there, what the competition is or whether you make money from it or whatever, what matters is that it's truly you, you're being authentic, and then you'll be able to find the topic that's going to, you know, keep you engaged because 
podcasting is like anything else you take it up in the beginning and if you if you're expecting results and you don't get the results you'll stop doing it um, and young people do that a lot you know because they're just exploring and I think that goes back to that who they are they're exploring not to to see what they want to do which is where the emphasis often is but who they are um, but sometimes in the process of discovering who they are they get sidetracked into what they want to do or what they want to be when the only thing you can ever be actually is you so when they focus on that everything else will fall into place um, so that would be my advice is just to be who you are and that's why I, I always say when anyone asks me that question it's the same answer every time yeah so don't do it because it's in don't do it because it's an available um, thing uh, it's just I think like a creative medium you know if you take up photography let's say because uh, photography is very much part of uh, the urban lifestyle or contemporary lifestyle then it's not it's not coming from a place of authenticity not coming from a place of deep, deep connection as you're saying and therefore it's not likely that you're going to stick with it or if you're doing something because you think yeah I mean with everything, even talking to some of the most successful business people, you know, you, you notice that um, some of the great ones are the ones who did not do it for the money. Although they, they're entrepreneurs or in business, it, their uh, main focus and was not the money. It was either being able to, to survive or to help somebody else or because they found an idea and it motivated them or a combination, you know. And, and I think that's, um, that's very important to, to realize uh, that when we connect, when you connect, nobody can take it away from you. You own the medium. Whereas when you come at it from a different side, it's not the same it's never the same um carla in your life have there been any relationships or collaborations that were very transformative to you or and empowering um yeah i think in terms of relationships so there was two parts to that question the first part was have there been any relationships and what was the other part or collaborations that that transformed okay. you or empowered you or any combination of, of that because I think you know each one of us experiences these kinds of things in a different way. Yeah, I think the most transformative relationships have definitely been my relationships with my children. Um, I think that I just get so much out of being a mother um, in terms of transformation and self development and. It's like the best self-development course you could ever go on. Um, it has modules and levels, just like any <laughs> course does. Um, and it's funny because being a parent and fully embracing that, it's like a personalized training program because your kids are a product of you and the environment that you're in. And so they put you through your paces, you know, not anyone else. They, they come with challenges, especially for you. Um, so whatever is, that is, um, it's always going to develop you if you embrace the opportunities that it brings. Um, so if you're, for example, if you're a parent who's quite um, laid back person, you usually have a kid who's very on the go and that mm -hmm. challenges you to kind of step it up and balance yourself out. And also if you're a parent who's quite um, 
excitable or quite emotionally, you know, erratic or whatever, you tend to have children who are very emotionally sensitive and they help you to just calm down a bit because they can't cope with you. Mm. Um, and if you don't tune down to and kind of learn how to balance it out, they let you know um, what's happening. So I love being a parent and that's been my most transformative relationship. I have three children and I had two of them when I was a teenager. Um, and then I had another one when I was older. And so it's completely different experience being a teenage mom with two girls and now being, I don't know if I'm middle-aged, it depends how long I'm going to live, but now being in my 40s with a nine-year-old son, it's a completely different experience. And so it's like a brand new training program. Um, and I just love it. I love being a mother. It's, it's and, and what are the differences? How, how uh, I can imagine, like, the difference in that experience, but I'm curious about, you know, where are the major differences in there? Um, I think the major differences are just my level of life experience now. I feel a lot more confident as a mother now um, because I'm just older and I've had experience and um, I know that it's going to be okay. Um, when I was younger and I was a teenage mom and I had two children, two girls, it was really like I was just going blind. You know, I didn't know what, was, what I was going to do from one day to the next. Um, and I was very insecure. I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself as a parent because I was so young. Um, and I always felt like I, I'd made a mistake for a long time. I felt like I'd made a mistake and I'd messed my life up and that I was um, always trying to prove that I could still do something with my life. So that overshadowed my parenting. I don't think I got to enjoy parenting as much then um, as I do now. Um, and also being girls and boys, back then it was two girls and they had company for each other and they were quite close in age. They were two and a half years apart. Um, and now it's like one boy by himself. So just those experiences of girls and boys as well and just the dynamics of what I have um, compared to what I had back then. It's it's, it's, it's brand new experience. It's, it's like I've never been, you know, a parent because there's nothing that I can, there's not much that I can transfer from my experience with my daughters years ago to now, because it's a different time as well. Now with the whole technology, I remember my daughters, I remember banning them from Facebook. It was so easy. It was so easy. I would just make them delete the accounts. I would say, you're not old enough. And that was it. It was enough. Mm -hmm. um, and they only had one device and I could keep control of that. Um, and the internet was in one room and it was limited. But now it's like really challenging with the internet and the technology with my son. Um, and I've noticed that every time I pick up a device, he picks one up. So, <laughs> so it's, it's quite interesting. It's, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. What about collaborations? Uh, yeah, collaborations is an interesting one. Um, I've had a really good um, relationship with one of my colleagues in my old job. She's an educational psychologist. And we, we became friends in the job very early on and we really found that when you um, take a multidisciplinary approach in education and you take two people from different disciplines um, and bring their heads together you can do amazing things um, and I had been trying lots of different things with educating my students when I was in that job for the last eight years but it was really only when she came along that we started to put our heads together that I really felt like I was making an impact um, and so we designed our own program um, in the job with dimensions from each of our experience and each of our approaches and personalities and backgrounds. Um, and we, we really enjoyed doing that. 
And I think that was one of the most effective collaborations I've had up to this point, um, because it really showed that nobody has everything complete. People always used to say, oh, you're such an amazing teacher, or you really get results, how do you do that? But quite often I felt like I wasn't getting what could really, I felt like I could get more. And when I put my heads together with someone else, I could see that. And I love that because it's really given me kind of like a confidence also moving forward with my business to stick to what I know is true, which is it doesn't matter how different you and I are. If we put our heads together, we're going to come up with something amazing. And in fact, the more different we are, the better it's going to be, because that's just the beauty of collaboration. And so that will always stick with me and kind of push me forward, you know, that experience and just that confirmation of something that I've always felt. That's a great story. I, it reminds me of, you know, the, the research that says that the greatest innovations are always made by the imports and not the experts. And so uh, the more perspectives you can bring into a project, the more minds and different kinds of minds who are not looking at it uh, maybe straight on or looking sideways or from a completely different mindset or background, and then there's so much to discover and to grow. Whereas no matter how good you are, if you're on your own or within a specific system or structure, it's very difficult to grow and go beyond that. What hmm, I've been thinking about, can you tell me a little bit about your Jamaican roots and your father? And do you ever go visit Jamaica? No, I don't actually. My dad never went home. My dad made a mini Jamaica in the house. <laughs> so he he traveled to the UK and um, he traveled actually to work in the UK. And he went up and down the country because he experienced some challenges finding work. Although he was brought as a group, you know, lots of Caribbean people, Jamaican people and people from other countries as well, actually, went to the UK by invitation. Um, when the UK was needed workers um, mm. in certain fields, when they had, you know, job short, you know, a shortage of people to fill the jobs. And so my dad was one of those people, but actually when he got there, he experienced something that shocked him because although they were invited, um, there was still a lot of people who didn't want them there. So he had a full immigrant experience in the sense that he couldn't find accommodation, he struggled to find work, he experienced racism, he traveled up and down the country looking for opportunities. Um, people often ask me how you can be born in Scotland to a Jamaican dad in the 70s, and that's because he was searching for work opportunities. Um, and he got kids <laughs> instead, which is work opportunities. <laughs> but he did, he got that. and. Um, yeah, so he made a mini Jamaica in the house and we grew up in a very, very, we had a strong experience of Jamaican culture because he was a very strict person, you know, and very um, grounded in his Jamaican values that he'd been taught by his parents. Um, but actually he never got a chance to go home. Um, and it's on my bucket list, you know, that I have to go and visit the places that he comes from. Um, but it, up to now, it's just, it hasn't been a priority, I think, for me, um, or an opportunity, you know, neither, you know, sometimes it's a priority and you make the opportunity, but I haven't up to this point, but it's getting to that stage in life where I feel like I must. Um, but he was very strong in exposing us to as much of his culture as he could um, through the way that he taught us and, you know, the way that we were brought up in the house. 
um, and the language my dad spoke a lot of Patwa at home so and he he was bilingual it wasn't until I got older that I realized that it was bilingual and it's still not recognized Jamaican Patwa is still not fully recognized as a language but it actually is um, because people don't understand it you know even my children when I say to them if I show them a video of someone speaking strong Patwa they'll say I don't know what he's saying more um, but I do you know, so it's, it is another language, um, which I really appreciate having, because I think it helps with my creative side as well. Um, it definitely does. I, it's a very creative culture. Um, and it also embrace your, embrace your shortcomings and embrace your mistakes and flip them into a strength culture. I think that's just, even just reggae music, reggae music was born out of serious oppression. Um, so I think I have that side of Jamaica, although I've never been. I've always been afraid as well that if I visit, I will not want to leave, but they won't see me as a Jamaican and will kick me out. <laughs> You're British, go home. <laughs> if, if you could ask your young father one question, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I would ask him what does he need to be the best version of himself? Yeah. Thank you so much, Carla. Uh, I really appreciate you. Thank you for the time. Thank you to all the listeners out there. And I think that's a wrap. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.